Hey guys, uh, this is Quincy Jones, the first episode of Chillin' with Quincy. Uh, it'll be on Podbean. Um, we got, I'm really excited. I got Roy Scovel and Ryan Connor sat down and talked to them about comedy and coming up in the comedy game. Uh, I think you guys will like it. Check it out. Enjoy. And uh, follow me on Twitter at RandomQJones, at Roy Scovel, and at Ryan Connor. Connor, C-O-N-N-E-R. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Guys, this is uh, Quincy, uh, chilling with Quincy. Uh, today's t- January 9th, 2013. I'm here with Ryan Connor and Rory Scovel, guys. Hey, world. Hello. Hey, world. Hello. That's Ryan Connor, and this is your boy Quincy. We're going to talk about everything. And then life. we're going to wrap life. The universe. Life, comedy. You're not a big hip hop fan. No, I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not, Well, I would say, yeah, yeah, I'm not. Okay. Because I, but you're, I would you're, say, you're I'm not personally like, against it. Well, no, I'm not one of those people that's like, I hate a certain genre. I've just There's only certain genres I probably would say I'm like a fan of. Very few bands I'm like a fan of. I'd almost rather people say that they hate a certain genre rather than people be like, I love all kinds of music. You'd be like, oh, yeah. you like yeah. this? I don't like classical rock. <laughs> like, yeah. like the thing some... is, I'm, I'm into, I, I, I feel like I have pretty eclectic tastes, but within each one of those genres, mm-hmm. that, I mean, really, I love Tool. Uh, I think they're fantastic. But like outside of that, I'm not. I can't really. You just get held fame. back from doing your whole Tool pitch just now. <laughs> so it's not easy to do. But for me, Tool and Pink Floyd are like my favorite bands ever, and I am like a fan. I would drop money for merch to see them. But everyone else, I like. I just don't necessarily. I'm not like a huge fan of unless they win me over. So like hip hop, there's no one I'm specifically crazy about. Mm-hmm. But I do like. Most everybody. I feel like I'm probably... I know there's like a sort of divide in hip-hop. There's like sort of the old school hip-hop. Right. And there's sort of like what's happening, I guess, now with hip-hop. Honestly, I'm probably more of a fan of the mainstream what's happening now with hip-hop than the old school beginnings of hip-hop. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people are more like like Scott. Yeah, Scott Moran. And I think even you, right, yeah. are like super like more into like older hip-hop. Where mm-hmm. it didn't really appeal to me then... If we want to say like older rap, I was I do like the Beastie Boys. Okay. As far as like an older rap, like eighties mm-hmm. rap, I guess. But yeah, for the most part, I went into it. Like, yeah. See, I, I love I I only I love Wu Tang, Tribe, and Digital Underground. That's it. See, and you can name stuff of all their stuff where I go, yeah. oh, I like that, but I'm not like yeah crazy about like oh I got to know everything. Yeah, I I've only done it about I'm only a fan of like like the nineties. Was my era because like, that's where I grew up. That's where I have right, those yeah. like yeah. memories. So I'm like, oh yeah, anything from '95. Yeah, 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 exactly. What are you? Yeah. Are you like 32? Also? No, I'm 28. Okay, I think I think I'm like that with uh, '80s music. In high school, I didn't think so because in high school, which would have been the '90s, that's when people like you know every every decade to decade, the previous decade, you're like ah screw that decade. Yeah. Like right now, people mm-hmm. like a lot of rock in the '90s is just now becoming like oh you know who was great in the '90s, but like. Five years ago, people were like, yeah, the 90s. You know what I mean? Yeah, but now yeah, the yeah. 90s is like, cool. whereas like 2000 to 2010, right now in all our heads is like, nah, it's, you know, it was all right. Mm-hmm. But in 2020, we're going to think 2000 to 2010 was great music. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to think 2004 or five in hip hop was a great time at all. <laughs> you said the, the stinky yeah. leg? Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, yeah, see that's that but kind then of stuff. I, I, but that, I feel like that's I feel like they're shallow, just trying to get make money music. Yeah, that's and always that's, there, and that's that's always there, and it's across every yeah. genre. Yeah, and really? I think I think for the most yeah, like, part, 
like really good rock bands, they don't fall into that and they don't really get the same airtime on the radio. It's yeah. all the it's the people who get like a lot yeah. of radio airtime mm-hmm. where it's that's what it is. Like if someone said like Taylor Swift, she's a country star. No, she's not. She's like a musician. She's a talented yeah. recording artist, yeah. but I would never say like she's a country star because right. that's the mainstream make money country. To me, uh-huh. country is like the old school Dolly Parton shit. To me, like Loretta <laughs> Lynn, like to me that was country. Yeah. Now it's just hey, alternative country rock. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it's I like it, alternative country rock though. What, what is alternative country rock? I think Brad Paisley, I like stuff that's out now. He's I'm the tractor guy. Not into right. They're all the tractor. No, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's the tractor, he's tractor, the, guy. He's the tractor <laughs> guy. No, is he the guy with the song? If you think my tractor is sexy, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that's the only I don't know song. Kind of that that's well, like huh? saying, oh, he's in a grunge band. You know, the guy who wore a plaid shirt and jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Except that it's the name of a song, Rory. Educate yourself. Wait, that is his name? Or no, that, I, I that think is that his is song, who the tractor is. guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all, all right. right. Yeah, so uh, why don't you fuck off? Touche, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I like, uh, I don't know, hip hop's my thing, so. Wait, why did you ask that? Were you no, no, you're ready to go into a whole thing on hip hop? No, no, no. <laughs> I was just talking about the, uh, like, you were going to end the podcast. Just like, you're like hip hop. I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. <laughs> episode done. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that was short lived, guys. It's been real. He just, has, he just has a list where he makes a tally mark. He, like, he might be yeah. <laughs> 10 strokes. Okay. He's got to go. Yeah. I'm never having this one. Yeah. Yeah, you can get 10 strikes, he's, which is actually a little too much. Mm-hmm. Like he's a little too lenient. Yeah. <laughs> 10 strokes. Well, geez, like, that's 10, a lot of. Honestly, yeah. I can't believe I'm like, <laughs> That's 14 strikes. I got my eye on you. I did, I did four over. I did four over. I'm the same? Does that even count? Does that negate it? Does that negate it? Uh, no, I was going to talk about like what the podcast usually talks about, but I sort of tailored it to each guest. So Cool. And Andy and I talked about hip-hop and comedy, and obviously we talked about comedy and how you guys got started years in, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, we both started in D.C., um... I, I did one show. I did one show in Spartanburg, South Carolina, to you know just get on stage and do stand up and see what it's like. That was my very first time. It was fun. And my sister lived in DC, so then I moved to DC to like go into doing open mics. I think you were like a month or two, maybe more in month, month. I in. think a month. Yeah, yeah. So, so you guys started. are both seven or eight years in. Eight, just in nine. Eight, uh, nine in March. Nine yeah. in March. Yeah. Oh, is March for you? So, well, I, so, I moved so, in February, but I couldn't get on stage for like a month. Okay. So I didn't really like See, get into it till like mid-March. My first one was August 1st, and then I did, I probably did like five shows in August. Yeah. And, but then like one a month until probably about the time, maybe a, a few weeks before you got there. Right, and That's yeah, when yeah. I started doing like five shows a night. More, or yeah. Five shows a week, I mean. Jesus, yeah. in D.C. Five, five shows a night. So you just did one, did three spots on one show? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I just put on a different hat. <laughs> Put on a fake mustache, uh, but yeah, that, we, that was like 2004 uh, in DC. Wow, that we started. How was DC? It was awesome. I was—I uh, can't remember. I was just talking to someone. Uh, I think it was Allison Rosen's uh, podcast. Who was talking about starting in DC, and it was like uh, looking back on it, I would say that was uh, community-wise, that was probably the most fun I ever had, like with friends doing stand because that was. 
people always say it's not until you're you're out of that early phase that you look back and kind of miss it because in that early phase you're always thinking well, what's tomorrow what's next week how do yeah. I get booked and, and what is 10 years going to look you like you also and think it's always going to be like that the way yeah, it yeah and you all yeah. you think it's always going to be a hangout and like the longer you do stand up yeah. the more it be, it, you, it starts to you know if if you're you know fortunate and it's going well then you start like you, you start having to worry about money start worrying about quitting your job it becomes mm-hmm. more of a job not that it doesn't you know the fun doesn't change but you start <laughs> it, be, it starts to become less hanging out with your friends yeah. and more oh I gotta I gotta fucking work at this because I can lose it any day but before you just had fun because you never had it. You were just mm-hmm. performing and you didn't know what you were trying to do. You were just trying to make sure that 10 minutes that night, you weren't the worst. Like, that's what you were trying to do. Mm-hmm. You didn't care if you were the best. You wanted to be the best, but you did not want to be the worst. Mm-hmm. You wanted to be like, go up and be like, I already got laughs and some yeah. of my new jokes worked. And I'm figuring out, you know, I am so excited because I have a joke that works. But I feel like the further you go on, it's no longer, oh, I really care if that joke works. Like, sure you do, but... Now you gotta care if the whole fucking act works. Yeah. You gotta care if the whole hour is like good, you know? We used to do this show every Wednesday called Dr. Dreamos. It would be me, yeah. Lori, Justin, Ian Daniels, Schlegel, John Just Moma. Jay. Yeah, yeah, Jay Hastings, Andy. Danny Rie, and Andy Haynes. Every Wednesday. I still, and even more. I mean, there's so many, yeah. like. But I think that was Tony. my favorite place I've ever performed. Yeah. Oh, no, that I consider. Yeah. In DC, I consider Dr. Dreamos my home club. And it's mm-hmm. torn down and gone now, which is. Yeah. Heartbreaking. I mean, it happens, but yeah. it it was yeah. the Wednesday night was going to Doctor Dreams. Yeah. I would get off work at five p.m. I would go home. Ryan and Jay. Jay was actually living at my place. Ryan would come over. We would play Winning Eleven. We would smoke pot. We would drink wine. And we would talk. Strangely enough, we would drink wine <laughs> and smoke pot. We felt so like artistically poetic. <laughs> I I, t- I talked to. I think it was Andy Haynes the other day about that. Like, I could not do that now. Like. Because we would drink a bottle of, of red wine and smoke every day before. Right, before granted, the show. we we we. Uh, but also, we drink like a bottle of red wine between. It's not like we each drink. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We all had like a glass yeah. of red wine, but I mean, it's but also, we also like, had. Beer. It wasn't. I don't even. Is know that, we weren't drunk. I, I don't know why we're like focusing so much on I wine. I really think Nietzsche's earlier work was really classic. <laughs> well, here, here's what it was for me. For me personally. I didn't ever drink wine. I always drank beer. I didn't really drink liquor. I, I just now started drinking liquor. I, at that point, just started drinking wine. So, like, I could go to Trader Joe's, and I was like, shit, a fucking $4 bottle of red wine? That's way cheaper than beer. And so we would all drink red wine. One, because I bet we were all probably pretty new to drinking wine. I, I know I was. Yeah. But also for 4 bucks for five of us, it's like, oh, well, we're going to drink at the show. So we'll just have wine right. now instead of drinking beer, and then we'll drink beer at the show. But it was just something fun and funny about, uh, it was, I think, I can't remember when Jay moved up. I was probably a year, this was probably a year in. Yeah, I think it was like winter, so probably, yeah. Like, it's like a year in, and I hadn't really ever performed high. And uh, one night, Jay and I just smoked pot and went to Dr. Dreamo's to, to perform, and it was sloppy, but man, it was fun. And I didn't do well. But I didn't do poorly enough to where I thought, like, I I think it, it, it was fun enough to where I was like, oh, I think I could figure this out and make this work, as opposed to, oh, okay. like, I think some people try to perform high, and they're like, oh, fuck, that was a nightmare. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I did it on a low-risk show. The booker put me, Ryan, and Danny up every Wednesday anyways. I couldn't lose my spot, so I was like, oh, if I'm going to yeah. go up and just tank and be a shitty, sloppy person, I've never done that before, so if I yeah. do it this one time, I'm not going to get kicked out of this Wednesday slot right, he always gives right. me. 
So it was a low risk situation where also you always went up trying to do yeah. newer stuff anyways. So if I went up and bombed, yeah. I didn't even have to admit that I was high. I could just been like, ah, I don't know, I'm trying, I, was, I was trying something new. Because you know, the, I could lie about that, what I did. The, the crowd would normally be 70 to like 120 people. It, yeah, the crowd was, was the most amazing and crowd what, I've what, ever what, seen at like oh, just a Wednesday what, show. What would you say, three quarters of them were regulars probably? Oh, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of people that came out pretty often. So we're doing 10 minutes every week, so... Seven or eight minutes of that has to be new or old enough, or you know, yeah, yeah. stuff that they didn't know. So if you go up high and you fuck up your set, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter because like, they probably yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, I mean, it was fun enough to where I was like, oh, I could probably figure this out. So that that was kind of the start of me. Every now and then, because I didn't really dive into like performing high all the time, and even now. I'll go through a phase where I perform high all the time, and then I'll go through a phase where I perform sober for a really long time. And I, I just kind of keep going back and forth because I don't want to get too reliant yeah. on either being sober or being high yeah. or being drunk. As some people, I can't be drunk at all. The way someone says, oh, I can't smoke pot and perform, I'm like that with having too many drinks. It's yeah. I, My brain just shuts down, and I'm just, I am just—I don't even know yeah. what's funny. That's um, how I feel about weed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, weed has been it's been it's been good. Great. To yeah, because it just opens me up in some way where I'm like, ah, fuck these jokes. It's just I, it gives me this uh, it because I'm so ADD that instead of me going on stage worrying about the beat and being oh, is everybody in? Is everybody like that? Is this did this work? I don't care at all. And I'm like, I'm just gonna fucking go and just it'll work. I know it'll work. And mm-hmm. so then it get, and I just end up doing it. Where if I go up sober, there's nights where I do discover that. I just have more fun discovering that when I'm high, yeah. mm-hmm. and going like the whole time. You're, when you, when you go up high though, like are you are you smoking like right before you go on? Yeah, okay. I just try to smoke right about ten minutes before. See, so it, that I get I'm like at my highest point it, right when I get on stage because it's going to go away in twenty minutes. And if it's really yeah. fun, the adrenaline's going, your heart's racing, it's gone in fifteen yeah. minutes. You're, yeah. I told well, your that, tolerance is high. Like my tolerance is weed. Is incredibly like like I, I smoked half a brick. No, my tolerance is very low. Well, for weed, yeah. So yeah. just a couple tokes, you're good. Yeah, because I I even though I smoke pretty often, uh, my tolerance is very low. Like I do not need a lot to get really high. That's and I've had those nights where I've smoked too much, and I've been on stage, and I was like, oh, oh fuck, I'm way. <laughs> and the thing is, I have to be like, oh, just keep talking. This will go away in I- five minutes. Just ramble. And I'll find some of the funniest stuff I've ever done in those moments of like, all right, let's just wait, ride this out. I I can't. Uh, okay, I, if I smoke a half hour before, so like when I go on, I'm like coming down. Yeah, kinda, that's good because yeah. then I'm just relaxed. But if it's right before, like I I did a uh, there was like a short film thing at the the creek in the cave, like a 420 thing, like two years ago. Yeah. And something I did was, was playing mm-hmm. and, uh, every, everyone was just passing around vaporizers and, uh, Jesus, those are- and I didn't realize that I was going to have to set it up. Yeah. And the guy who was run- running it was like, all right, Ryan, you want to come up here and set it up. And I just smoked, I couldn't even fucking set up the thing that I made. <laughs> I went up there and I was like, man, so, uh, <laughs> you know, it, like it, I, I did that for like a minute, and then I was like, "You'll see, you'll see," and I just sat down. So it, was, it was awful. <laughs> so I, I can't do it. Drunk is just, dude. Were you at the show? That might have been right before you moved there. There was a show on Capitol Hill. I think Ryan Williams ran it too, and um, I hosted. And I remember I had seven, seven, and sevens during the show. <laughs> By the end, it was 
I, I don't even know if I was thinking. <laughs> no, I don't think I ever did that show. Yeah. yeah I think, so it, I, I I think it closed down after either. that set. Probably did, after honestly. That. It, it honestly did. They were like, oh, that host has a problem. <laughs> yeah, and he, bring, right? and he brings a cunt in tow with him every time. <laughs> My ex-wife. <laughs> Andy said that that was uh, some of the best time. Like, you guys were all like a crew pushing each other to get better and whatnot. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think everybody was kind of moving up yeah. at uh, their own pace, but it kind of... I mean, to me, it's like New York. It was like just a smaller volume New York where mm-hmm. you either keep up and you're working at it. But you said everybody was talented there. I think it's kind of yeah. like a, a thing you you would think you wouldn't commonly find it, but I think you commonly do. Like if you went to Atlanta, all those beers guys that are gone now, and even other comics in Atlanta, are like you just got a batch of good people, and we just happen to be but, a batch of like uh, a, a group of comics that everybody happened to be good like in their own way so it pushed everybody to be like oh well, I want to make sure I, I'm good like if everybody's right. good then I want to be good and it was like we, you know, we raw would, talent we would also all watch each other's sets every night yeah and uh, so we're thinking oh you know we're performing for each other too which right. makes yeah. us work harder and try to be original and stuff yeah. and we'd give each other lines and shit but it's weird that you can't recreate that like you really yeah. can't uh, well now uh, the stakes are higher though yeah, yeah, but I mean, even when I moved to New York, I, I mean, I, I love New York. New York's my favorite city. Uh, it's awesome. And all the comics there, it's so, uh, so, it's so much more supportive than you think when you haven't lived there. You think everyone's, it's a competition. It's New York. Everyone's trying to, you know, fucking dog eat dog. Everyone's got to fucking make it. But it isn't. It's very supportive. But it's just not that same support system because we were like a group of 10 people who, no one knew what they were doing. Yeah. Like, and everyone, everyone, I know so many comics have this exact same story and feeling, mm-hmm. but no, none of us really knew what we were doing, but we were, we were all that we knew was this. We didn't know what the next step was at all. So we just kept performing. Yeah. So you did a year yeah. in DC and then moved to New York? You're no, like, I was, right? I was in DC for about three years. Okay. Yeah. So you did one show in South Carolina, moved to DC, yeah. stayed there for three years and then like, I'm ready. And he moved uh, it, it wasn't really that I felt like I was uh, ready. I mean, I, I guess I did feel ready. But also, we, we were at a point where, mm. in D.C., you felt like you had hit a ceiling. You're like, well, you know, I know mm. that I'm good. It's not that I, I, don't, I don't look at all like, oh, I was the best. But I know that I was one of the better comics at that moment. And I was like, this, I don't think I'm going to learn anything if I feel like I'm, you know, one of yeah, the, yeah. if you, I'm you, one of like the top yeah. people, and I'm not saying I was the top person, it's you, hard to explain you, you, this and not sound arrogant. Yeah, no. I knew it was a small scene. It was a very small scene, and there were a lot of new people coming in. And if they were looking up to me, thinking I knew what I was doing, I thought that was a bad thing because I don't really know what I'm doing. Right. I need to go to a city where I can be at the bottom again yeah. because this is a small pond. It's a great small pond, just like other cities where you can start are. But I was like, New York mm-hmm. is a huge fucking ocean. And I need to get in that huge ocean and let that and, and learn how to get my name out there, how to move up in that as opposed uh-huh. to moving up in a small. There's a lot of people who move up in a small pond, they get to the top, and they love that. They soak that in and they fucking stay and in that. It's, it's great. It's, it's, it's yeah, comfortable and it's great. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to that at all. I enjoy that comfort too. I miss that comfort a lot my first year in New York. But, you know, I wanted to be where I'm sitting today in this city, and I knew I had to go other places to get that. That's what I felt like when I left Seattle. I mean, I think, I think, I thought that was what everyone <coughs> felt when it was like, like, I didn't think I was ready, 
But I thought I could get ready. I thought like, yeah. oh, I got the tools. Yeah. Like, you know, plus you yeah. hit that ceiling. You're like, how many times can I do comedy at Jai Tai? How many times can I continue mm-hmm. to go up to the comedy underground and like, yeah. wait, how many times can I do? Like, yeah. I, like eventually you're like, okay. You basically, you figured out that scene. Yeah, you figure yeah. it out. You know where to yeah. get time. And, right. and then, then once you become like, oh, okay. When you, to me, it was like when you could walk in and people sort of like making sessions and throw you up or something like that. I'm like, okay, I got to go to L.A. now. It was between New York and L.A. I went to visit New York. I was like, God, if, if it goes to shit and I'm a bum. Like, that's what I'm on. Could you picture being homeless there? I was like, no. I went to California. <laughs> I can picture being homeless here. I can really picture being on Venice Beach. I can be really artsy. I don't care. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, so I moved here. That's a really good way to measure cities. The, could I be homeless here? Dude, that winter, yeah. New, like yeah. the, the mugginess oh, yeah, of, of New York. It has like Miami humidity. And like, yeah. The other, well, the other thing I also liked about New York, um, DC is a great city to start doing stand up in. But you are also surrounded by lawyers and government employees in every single direction. You are living inside the Matrix, where everyone has on a suit. <laughs> you are that. That is what you're. You're in. It's a great. It's a great city. It's a fun city. But New York is filled with people who are artists and people who think they're artists. And it doesn't matter if they are or they think they are. That's enough to inspire you to want to be one. Even the people who are pretending they're artists and walking around like, yeah, I'm an artist. I think I'm an artist. I don't know. I'm doing right. I'm reading a book in a bar. You're like, I, it's kind of obnoxious, right. but I, I kind of rather see that than the person in the suit having a quick lunch because they got to get back to the office. Mm-hmm. I'd rather see the hipster fucking reading a book in a bar because it's an image. I'd be like, oh, you're more interested in painting mm-hmm. this picture of you. As opposed to getting back to the office, I I don't want to paint that same picture, but you're inspiring me to, to right. get off my ass and, and do it, even if you're shitty at the thing you do. And then you have the people who are fucking amazing at the shit they do. I mean, being in New York and seeing John Mulaney and Hannibal's rise in comedy was enough to be like, these guys are fucking great because they fucking work at it. So I'm going to be in a city where people fucking work at it. Everybody I know in New York... It was a party, and it was so fun, but everybody at that party was working, trying to get better, trying to move up, tr- wondering what the next, like, step was. And it was just very, mm-hmm. to me, at, in doing stand-up, it was very healthy to be yeah. around that. When people ask me, should I move to New York or L.A., there's no question. I ask that question, too, because you don't understand it. But if you're trying to be a stand-up comedian, there's nowhere to live other than New York City to learn how to be a stand-up comedian. And that's not saying you can't learn it in L.A. You certainly can. There's a lot of great comics that came out of L.A., for me, in my opinion, New York City is the, the ultimate education in becoming a comedian. You can get up all the time. You can get up in front of so many different crowds. You can learn how to say, handle every, every, vicious people. Yeah, every neighborhood has a different type of crowd, too. Yeah. So it, it's like performing in ten different cities right. within one city. Right. Yeah. Hmm. For instance, you go to some cities, like Atlanta. Atlanta has, uh, well, now they have an improv they have an improv, they have Laughing Skull, they have the punchline, and then you'll hear other people go, oh, and then there's the black room. In right. New York City, there is no, yeah. I mean, sure, I'm sure there is like a black room, but any room in New York City, this isn't the white room or the black room or whatever else. It's like, oh no, all those people are at this show. Yeah. So you're going right. to get to kind of know how it's working when you put everybody together mm-hmm. going, oh, we're, we're all here. You don't have to go to a room where there's no white people or go to a room where there's no black people. Every single person, Puerto Ricans, Mexicans, black people, white people, 
it's whenever you go to describe races or nationalities, you sound racist if you don't include yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? It's such an eclectic mix of everybody yeah. that you're you're like, oh, this is this is what the world's audience should be. There should never be like, well, I mean, granted, you go play a room somewhere. Yeah, you're like, well, I mean, I'm going to go play in Salt Lake City. I'll probably have a joke about how there's no black people there. But you go, but the, if you did that your whole career, and you're like, oh, there's no black people here. And then you go play a place where you're like, oh, there's a lot of black people here. I guess I can't buy, do my there's no black people here <laughs> joke. Like, it, it, that's, that's a very broad example, but it gets rid of those things. Well, that's There's so many saying. jokes like that. Yeah. Like, a black performer, even a white performer, he plays a black room and has jokes about white people. Oh, well, next week you're playing a place where there's only white people. Oh, well, I guess I probably can't do my thing ripping into white people. Well, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know I, the example I'm making. No, no, it makes no sense. pun intended it, it, is very black no, and white. No. But you know what I mean? There's that weird in-between of what I'm just saying with yeah. everything. Talking about the subway, talking about this, talking yeah. about that. New York, even though people do those jokes, New York gives you so many people from so many different places it really t- teaches you how to well, cater your material to what you enjoy doing, but also try to make it more relevant to as many people right. as possible. I was going to say that's one of the pitfalls of coming up in, uh, in other, other cities is people have so much local material. Yeah. And you, you know, you'll be in, I don't know, whatever, say Pittsburgh, yeah. and the host is really funny. But his entire 12-minute set is about Pittsburgh. So it's like, if he moves to New York, he has no Which material. is great for that show. It's, it's great for that show. And it's but, a great skill to have. Right. But 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 at the same time, you, you kind of want to, if you if you come <laughs> to another city, maybe just have two to three local minutes to open up top. And then, then, and then start recording with my stuff. phone and doing my own podcast. I'm like, I'm going to let this podcast be on my phone. And I just, I post it as, I let Quincy guest host on my podcast during his podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, I, I to me, at least for my comedy, I've always been, uh, I didn't realize it when I was young, like when I first started out, like, I used to, like, always jump on whatever, like, if a set wasn't going as well as I thought it was mm-hmm. in my head, I'd always jump on, like, oh, someone coughed, or, but not, like, aggressively. <laughs> you know, not like, like what, what do you got to hold? In my head, I was like, because I've always been, like, like, of the theory that you have to acknowledge what's in the room. And to me, the only difference between, like, L.A. and New York is that New York is, like, all the audience come together, and other cities, you have to go out and seek other audiences to be as versatile as that. Like, for me, in L.A., I've never been in a city where there's more racial, like, distinction. Like, but it's like, oh, oh, Glendale, you're, oh, that's where the Armos hang out. Right, right. Yeah, 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 South yeah, of the yeah, Ten, yeah. that's what Did you say people. Armos? Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. Armenian? Okay. <laughs> I didn't either, and I just went, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's, that's the, is, is that, a, like, considered a slur, or is that just what they... I, uh, for the podcast, I don't think that's a slur. Okay. I don't think Armos. Armos. All right, Armos. if we can, if we can say that, I think I, I'd like to I think, to say you know that. what, I think it's worth researching. I think, uh, we've good. got a fancy MacBook Pro. <laughs> Armos. <laughs> what if we just made this a research? It's not even Let's real. Let's just find that's all the slurs. <laughs> that's all we do. Did you know moonshine was derogatory? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. And a tasty illegal drink. <laughs> what made you decide to get into comedy? Like, were you like a kid or in college? Uh, <laughs> life. Life. Life, funny. life you made don't me. Laugh, uh, God. <laughs> um, I, I don't really. I I don't know what. Uh, I really don't know what draws you into it. I knew, like, growing up, I always, my entire life, playing. Uh, Team sports. I always tried to have a joke. I was kind of a class clown at school. It was never. It was. I think it was because I was ADD. I was very immature. I'm. I, I mean, I'm 32. I feel like I'm just now mature. But I was very mature, immature through uh, my whole life. And 
my family is a bunch of smartasses. They're a bunch of like cut ups, I guess. So I always tried to have a joke or win attention by being funny, and I would do it at school. I would do it on teams, and often getting in trouble because I'm so desperate just to. I would do and say anything to get people to laugh. And someone had asked me at one point, they were like, people in high school would say, oh, you're going to be on Saturday Night Live one day. And I always thought, oh, that'd be so fun. Like, that'd be an awesome thing. And this is like the, the Chris Farley days. Yeah, of, no, and you're like, oh, man, that would be... Like, I, I, I never... You know, when someone said that, I was like, oh, it's nice to hear, but I don't think you're right. Yeah, because you turned it but down. But you wanted it to be right. Because then I then turned it <laughs> down that year. Yeah, yeah, I had the yeah. youngest ever to that's, like, that's how big of a dick you were. In high school, like, you're going to be on SNL. You're like, I'd turn it down. Uh, I already <laughs> turned it down three years ago. <laughs> I'm kind of holding on to my own thing. But, but it, was, it was one of those things where it, you were like, oh, that does, that would be awesome. Like, it, that, that kind of planted in my brain, like, that would be an awesome thing to do. And also, I wanted to be a filmmaker. I loved making videos and shooting videos with my brothers and sisters, and um, it's something I wanted to do. And then uh, my buddy uh, Kyle was like, well, a lot of people on Saturday Night Live did stand-up. And the moment he said that, it made me realize I'd never be on Saturday Night Live because I was like, I didn't really like stand-up. Now, granted, I was very immature. So, like, watching someone give a speech, I was like, I don't want to listen. I'm more like, I need the stimulation. I need to see stuff. I'm like physical comedy. I like watching the Marx Brothers to me it was like the greatest. I was like, oh, this is more what I'm into. To me, stand up was just like Seinfeld. I'm like, oh, you got to wear a suit and you got to just talk. Like it, it didn't, it didn't connect with me at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I, I, when I graduated college, I really didn't know what to do because I couldn't visualize becoming a filmmaker. I didn't know how to like do that. And I was just like, ah, maybe I was just dreaming. Maybe that was just a dream I had and I thought I could do it. So I got into, like, working in the news, doing, like, studio camera mm-hmm. news stuff because I graduated with a journalism degree in communication. And so I was like, ah, oh, this is maybe kind of a happy medium. It caters to what I did learn in college. And it is. I am working camera. And who knows where this could take me if I learn how to shoot stuff and, like, make segments. Honestly, I thought in my head, I was like, well, I think maybe I'd be happy if I was making and shooting my own segments on something like Dateline. If I was like, I, make, I made a piece. You know what I mean? I didn't really know, it, and also even when I had that as a goal, I knew in my head I was like, I could see myself doing that to just get by, not really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I don't know. In the middle of doing that, I just randomly, after listening to David Cross's "Shut Up, You Fucking Baby," I was like, Oh, stand up isn't in a suit, yeah. and it doesn't have to be word economy. It can be. <clears throat> and I, I always do this as a sort of disclaimer. It's no <clears throat> knock on David Cross, but. He's more sloppier than like Seinfeld. Yeah, and I always thought stand-up was that it had to be that. And then like listening to him, I was like, oh, you can go up and just talk and get into funny stuff and tell funny stories and do it. So I'm like, oh, I think I could maybe try to do that. That seems more me. So after trying it, I just got hooked uh, after that first time. But you know, I, I really kind of just got into it. To, uh, I didn't know what to do. I didn't so know you I always to wanted to do it. Yeah, like the guy who didn't listen to the whole interview. Yeah. So, anyways, so since you were four, you wanted to do it. I, I have my follow yeah. up. My yeah, follow ups are pre-written. Yeah, yeah, your follow ups. Yeah. So it was when you heard uh, "I Have a Pony" when you were three. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, 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 yeah. How uh, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, I have four sisters and two brothers. Uh, we have a different mom, me, and the other five. So mm-hmm. me and my older sister have a mother 
and then the younger ones, all the same dad. Uh, my dad remarried. My mother passed away when I was young, so my dad remarried when I was like six or seven. So then, like my younger brother and sister, are, like half, but overall, seven kids. That's cool. Yeah. I have an older sister who's 39 now, and a younger brother who's 26. Okay. And that. And so that's a wide range. Yeah, there's, yeah. All, same, different dads, me and my sisters, same mom and dad, me and my brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, two years apart. Two years apart. Yeah, they're yeah. definitely the same. Yeah. 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 Moving I, quick. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? I got that's I have, right, that's yeah, right. I have 11 brothers. When people yeah. say that, I have 11. Does that include yourself, or do you like have... No, I'm one of 12. One of 12. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh... All right, here, the, the breakdown is one biological, one half, two step, um, seven adopted. It's a lot Bullshit. Of <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and research that. Will you go ahead and break out the laptop? <laughs> what about... When, when did you decide to get in comedy? What made... Um, I kind of, uh... See, I, I've always been a stand-up fan. Like even even when I was like, I guess like it was eighty-seven or eighty-eight when the um, I was born in eighty when the uh, comedy. For a second, I thought it was like in eighty-seven, eighty-eight. I was like, Jesus, how have you been doing comedy since yeah. then? But when the uh, when the Comedy Channel came out, and then you know, and there was like A and E show and all that stuff. So my my, uh, my biological brother Brent and I would watch every stand-up thing that was on TV. So I knew, like, everyone's acts when I was in elementary school and middle school. and um, But I, ne- I never saw myself doing it. Um, even through high school, I never saw myself doing it, even when I was, I was a fucking huge fan. We still don't see you really doing it. I know, because I don't. I really... No. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was really shy. Like, I, did, I didn't know this. My mom just told me last week when I, I was in D.C. that my first two years of school... I was so scared of doing a transaction at lunch and messing it up that I made Wait, what pack do you mean, my a lunch transaction? Every day. Like to buy my lunch. Oh. I was scared that I would do it wrong. Yeah. Well, so I would have my lunch packed. With the wrong money or the wrong... Yeah, or just, just not know how to do it. And I can I understand that. I think that's a valid... Yeah. I feel like I probably had... Not, not on the point where I never even right. would attempt it, but... Yeah, so, so I always had that shy... <laughs> that I guess shyness... Never like a pussy, but like right. I know what you mean. <laughs> but, but like a faggot, kind of. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so I, I never saw myself doing it, and I, I, w- I wanted to be a screenwriter, and then, um, I had all, I had all this stuff written, and, and, you know, I would just have, like, loose ideas that weren't put into anything, and, uh, and then I was like, hey, you know, I think these would only work in stand-up, and I didn't think I, I didn't think I, you know, had the confidence to do it, and then I, I just did it, and then once I got through the first set, it was fine, you know, actually, fucking ten seconds in. It was, it was fine. So I really did it just to get rid of those ideas, you know what I mean? Mm. But as soon as I was like, a, you know, a minute into my first set, I was like, this is it. My first set was at the Comedy Underground, three minutes, and I had to follow a guy who had a guitar or banjo, and uh, he was singing a song about sticking fruit up his ass. Nice. And, uh, and the first thing I did was like, I was like, I, I was so scared. Mm-hmm. I was so scared because Harry, Harry was there at the time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was, it was Harry and Simon Kaufman. And I was like, I was so scared, and I was mm-hmm. like, dude, how am I supposed to 
Like, how do you acknowledge a guy who just, like, is talking about it? Yeah, it's your first time. Like, like what am I yeah. supposed yeah. to do? Yeah. Act yeah. like that didn't happen? Yeah. We Anywho. Yeah. yeah, you are. You're supposed yeah. to be like, yeah. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can't do Joe. And then the whole room just, ah. <sighs> like, I felt it. And I was like, that's when I was like, I could do this. Did did his song kill or did it? No. It was, it was awkward. It was oh, like, okay. And it was like a repeat. It was like, it was a repeated chorus with just interchangeable fruit. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was like, ah, oh, shuck And I was like, God. Actually, I remember because I was about to get locked up and I wanted to, I was like, my mom was like, what if you don't make it out? I was like, Jesus, my dude, what, are you, what are you putting this idea in my head for? So I like, so like, I was like, what? Like, what it was, so I like tried it. And then, like, Hardy's like, hey, you're really good. How long have you been doing? I was like, ah, this is, like, my first time. He's like, all right, well, I'll see you around. I was like, no, you won't. And I, like, turned myself in, like, the next day. Oh, and then, what, what, what were you, what did you serve time for? Uh, it ended up being breaking the no contact order. Uh, but the initial charges were different. Oh, okay. The initial charges were, like, I was selling drugs all over the campus and, like, I don't know, I had it all. Like, I don't know, it was, okay. It was, it, was, it was drug shit. It was drug-related drug shit. Related. I had, like, a good lawyer, and then I had no record, and so they dropped yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. But I had to, like, sit. And, and how much time? I did 13 months for breaking that kind of Oh, man. One of my friends did 13 months for, uh, I have a friend in, in Virginia for uh, um, driving without a license, really good stuff. He got charged with driving with intent to kill. Did he hit something? No, but he, driving fast? He, he lost his license because he was going like yeah. two over the 25. Yeah. I mean, he was actually driving seven miles per hour, but he was he was following people. Yeah, <laughs> just trying to mow people down slowly. No, he, he, he didn't. His license had been suspended from two DUIs. Oh, and, that, that, and then definitely. he was driving a motorcycle and a cop tried to pull him over because he was speeding and he ended up going 110 trying to get away from a cop in a town. Like where, where, where the speed limit's 25. In Mayberry. Yeah, where, like it's, seriously, it's Daniel Where there's Virginia, one where stop sign. It, it may as well be like, like, uh, like, like a small corner of Greenville or something like that. He was going 110. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. 13 months. That's, that's ridiculous. But then when I got out, like, I got out at the end of 07, and I was, mm-hmm. like, this major, like, life thing. I was, like, what am I going to do? Like, right. I was, like, okay, I, I cut it close with the drug shit. I was, like, I can't really go back to that. I was, like, all right, so I got my AA. And then I was, like, okay, I don't really like school, but I don't have anything viable I want to do. Yeah. So I was, like, all right, well, I'll just get my BA. And I like got that, and I was, like... Still nothing, still no clue. And I like went back to school, and then that's when I like got in my second childhood. Like at twenty five, I went to Central Washington and started partying. Yeah, like, so, like getting the college experience. I was like, this is it. Right, this yeah. is what I want to do. And then in two thousand nine, the girl I was dating broke up with me uh, on Thanksgiving, and that's when I was like, I need to, to talk about this. And so I like, and all my friends were like black or like just really aggressive and so I can't really hey guys emotionally I'm really hurt right now I don't know what <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. can I talk to you about this, this feeling <laughs> of vulnerability and abandonment and they were like hey you'll be alright man just go ahead and take some shots and we'll get some bitches and we'll go I was like you know what I like that is sort of the best method <laughs> you know 
get some bitches. That's yeah, yeah. They, they say it's so easy. Fuck that bitch. It's so bitches. easy. I've never yeah. been that dude. I mean, yeah. just fuck some bitches. That's really. it. That's all you gotta do. You can go out and get some dick wet, Q. Dick wet, Q. That's all I do. That's all I do. And then, like, then I went up. I went up five nights a week, like for a month straight in 2009. Yeah. And just hit comedy. I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And I knew it. I knew it. Then and there, and then like, I got I got a lot of stuff ridiculously early. <laughs> like it was like, hey, uh, do you want to open for Tommy Davidson? I was like, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Not ready at all. Not, yeah, yeah. There's nobody in comics like, hey, you want to do this? Yeah, I can do it. Yeah, got like, it. I have no. You have ten minutes, maybe, <laughs> and you have to do twenty, and it's like, oh yeah, I can do it. I'll just stretch. Yeah, I'll just stretch the other ten, and so I like went on the road, and then. Came back to Seattle and was like, I gotta, I'm, I can't keep doing this shit forever. <laughs> and then that's when I saw you. Yeah. I saw, I, I, that's when like Barbara Holm hit me to like a slew of comedians. Cause I never fit in the traditional black comic role. Mm-hmm. And I never had like a background in comedy where it was like, oh, Richard Pryor album or Bill Cosby Jogma. It was more so like, like I sold drugs. Like that was it. Like that was my yeah, thing. Yeah. I was like, I, I know everything about drugs. I can do this. And then Barbara Holmes like, you should check out Rory Scovel. And I think that's when you got the uh, the John Oliver or whatever. The, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that. And then she was like, oh, check out Andy Haynes and check out Kyle Kinane and then uh, Billy Wayne and Derek Sheen and everyone. I was like, these guys are fucking amazing. I want to do what they do. They look like they're having fun. But then, like, my black friends were like, nah, man, you should check out Kevin Hart. And I was like, so I was like, okay, I'll... Check out Kevin Hart and then check out all, and I realized like I'm not that. Yeah, I'm a six foot like two twenty tattooed dude. Like I'm not clean cut mm-hmm. at all. I'm not smooth. I don't have like a blazer. I don't own anything. <laughs> right. I don't have a blazer. I don't have a, like that was it. Like it, like black comics were like either suits. Yep. Like bright colored suits, tailored immaculately, or like a blazer, like a really smooth, clean cut GK. I was like I don't. Right, yeah. 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 And that's why I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to do that. And I just started having fun on stage, man. But it was you, honestly. To be honest, you you inspired me to, like, do comedy. Thanks, man. I remember, I go to everywhere he goes, actually. Yeah? Me, me and Jordan, like, I'm his biggest fan. <laughs> so I'm married. I'm like, yeah, okay, but I'm still his biggest fan. <laughs> I go to every show where he does. Um, uh, who's in your comedy class? Like, uh, you, you said, like, you saw John Mulaney and Hannibal. Like, were they... Above you by year? Or yeah, I still... F- uh, I don't know when they started. I know that Hannibal and I auditioned for, uh, like, our first time auditioning. Mulaney started before us. He was DC, too. Originally. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah he, he's just a, a... He started very young. He's just a very smart, great comedian. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, he, he is, and he... There's no way around it. I mean, he really exploded. When he started figuring out his own thing, not like I know that what that was, but, yeah, I... I Mm-hmm. Like the, you just getting to see him come up was awesome and inspiring to be like, you know, not that you can be on that level because there are obviously talent comes into play, but mm-hmm. it is good to see someone who sets the bar on how hard you should work and it's good. That's you inspiring to see. Yeah, he's a very hard worker and uh, I, you can tell that Hannibal is too. You can tell that they they make it a point to work on comedy and I don't even know that firsthand watching them it's just something I know yeah. from just seeing them like I, I know that you guys really work at this um, because watching you makes me feel incredibly lazy about what I do and I think I do a good amount of work but I don't do the work that you're doing and uh, 
I don't I don't consider them in my comedy class. I guess you kind of could. I mean, age wise, I think they're both younger than me. But I don't know. I, I feel like they're. I feel like my comedy class. I don't. I don't really. I honestly, I don't know who it would be. I always feel weird, but like I went on the road and did a tour with like Jared Harris and Sean Patton and Napier Gatsy and like those guys. I'd be like, yeah, I feel like we're all sort of maybe in the same group, kind of coming up at what I'd say is the same pace. I think at this stage, though, after nine years, you no longer have a comedy class because people are kind of moving up and down at their own pace and they're moving in different directions. We have friends from D.C. who perform once a month, some who don't perform at all anymore. I have a close friend, Jay, who doesn't even do stand-up anymore. So, like, I think that's why I always look back to that first three years as being like, well, that's when we were all boom and just slowly helping each other up and then once I moved to New York everyone's just on their own page it, you, you don't yeah. really it was Dougie yeah. it was Dougie yeah you know I mean you just yeah. don't you do, it's hard to define what my class would be I bet you a really hardcore comedy fan who knows of people like me like the unknown people I think they might be like oh I could tell you exactly what your comedy class is like an outsider probably could yeah. but being on the inside I, I kind of don't know because I guarantee you anyone that a comedy fan would name, I wouldn't consider myself in their class. I'd be like, oh no, I want to get to that point. Yeah. And I guarantee you vice versa. That that The comic they name would probably say the same thing about me. Yeah. Because you don't really you just don't really know where you're at. I, I feel like I'm currently with maybe a bunch of people who are good and have made a living doing stand-up for a few years, but it's relatively unheard of in a mainstream market. So it's kind of like you don't really know where you stand. You know you're doing well, and you hope you can maintain doing well, and you want to break into that next level, but you don't know when it'll happen, if it'll happen, and you don't really know what will change if it does happen. So, What's next for you? I don't know. I mean, uh, me and Scott sold this show to ABC, so we're hoping they want to make it. Um, if they do want to make it... Scott Moran? Uh, no, my buddy Scott Martyr. Okay. Um, we started working together um, back in September. And uh, this idea that he had about his parents, so we just kind of hammered it together and ABC liked it. So the script is in and now we're hoping they want to actually shoot it. We'll find out soon. How do you... How do you get into that? Like, is it just like, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> know. I don't know. I don't know. There's no <laughs> lessons being learned today. Just do a I lot am. of shows. I came here to find out the secret. <laughs> and where I, I am today, I do. I couldn't tell you what has gotten me to where I am right now, other than wanting to have fun every time I go on stage. And that's led to anything good happening. Was me not seeking it. It was me wanting it, but I can't be the person who's like, I'm gonna go. For this thing, all I've done is tried to enjoy doing stand-up. And I've really enjoyed it. And I've also, mm-hmm. like all of us, you know, you really enjoy it. And there's other nights where you, you hate the audience. There's yeah. nights when you hate yourself because you think you're like, well, that's it. I lost. Like, I, it's not clicking yeah. anymore. You know, you've, I've had a str- I think I have had a month of shows straight where it wasn't clicking. And I was like, it, I, it's gone. I don't know. I can't right. seem to find my rhythm. My pace is gone. I I still, even through those dark days, have had a lot of fun doing stand-up. And it's the only thing that I've ever focused on because it's the only thing I could control was attempting to have fun. Not that it would be there, but going in, giving my effort to be like, all right, I'm going to be funny on stage. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to try to really entertain these, it could be anywhere from five to a hundred people. You know, that's I feel like that's where I'm at. Any given moment at a show, there's probably five to a hundred people mm-hmm. there. 
And I always tried to make sure how whoever those five to a hundred were, we had fun in this yeah. seven minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, hour, whatever the show was. This was the only thing I can do right now. Yeah. And I think because of that, it's attracted these other things to people going, "Oh, I've seen you." And I think you're good, and I want to do something with you with this, or I want you to audition for this, or I want you to have a meeting with this. I didn't seek those things. I wanted those things, but they kind of came to me by not yeah. catering to yeah. them, just well, being well, like, oh, well, I'll do the thing I'm good at, and if that you think that fits you, what you're doing, then great. Yeah. When, when you're a comic, that's all you can control. You, yeah. You can't control being on TV or doing, you know, working certain clubs that you want to work or getting a deal. All you can yeah. control is... You know, did I did I write new material? Did I do a good yeah. set? Did I you know? Am I working hard? I'm and not, then things will, I'm not things like will come out, whatever. Because like like I mean, you look at, at Hedberg. Yeah. He didn't get anything until like nine years yeah. at all. So it's so it's like there's really no you you just can't you can't control it. I mean, you can you can probably seek out those things. I mean, there's a lot yeah, of people yeah, that want to ask. You work hard, whatever, you contact but, people, but but it's not like... But I know there's people that are like, no hey, I want these agents or managers to see me, or I want to get an agent or a manager. And I just don't think it... I don't think that happens successfully by contacting agents and managers. I think yeah. that happens by being good enough to where they want to work with you. And then you go, great, that will be the sign that I'm doing something yeah. that... It's okay enough for them to want to get me other things. That's what a lot of people, like, on the... Like, because I, I consider myself on the come out. Like, I don't think I'm on your guys' level. But I, I definitely think, like, a lot of people are like, I want to get signed to dot, 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 and, you know, X, Y, and uh, then it's all going to click. And I'm like, huh. that's not... That's not what it's... To me, that's yeah. not... Like, there's no just... Once this thing, this one thing happens, everything's going to fall into place. Yeah, you have it won't. to keep yeah. working hard. I, you know? yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of people who are like of that, that thought, that delusion where it's like, yeah. oh, once I get, then these yeah. people are going to put me here and then it's going to be here. And it's like, no, I you still yeah. have to keep working. I also think that's a, it's bad. I, think that's, I think that's valid though, because you do think but, it will open more doors and maybe it opens a couple or one or something. You think it's going to change things. Yeah. But it still comes down to your own personal work ethic. Yeah. Regardless of who's helping you. And if you have that work ethic and it's gotten you this far, then you got to maintain it because you can't ever... And, and, you, and more than likely, you probably will maintain it yeah. because you're too used to doing it. Now, like, I have someone who books me on the road now, and I didn't have that in my whole career, and I just got that a year and a half ago. And I'm still trying to book myself because I can't let go... Yeah. Of that rhythm in my life, I'm too afraid yeah. to stop doing the thing that I had to like claw at to like yeah. make money. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm too afraid to stop doing it, even yeah. though someone's now doing it. You're, for me. you're how many? Three years in? Yeah, three years in. Yeah. You, you don't even want these things for a while. I'm not like 23 though. Like I'm 28. Like I'm still. It doesn't matter. It's, 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 it's comedy years. I got I got all those things way too early, as Rory would probably tell you. Like I. You know, I was only two years in when I got college agent and, you know, like I met with every agent, every manager and stuff like that because I was, I, I was young and naive. Like I went with the people who gave me the biggest promises basically, you know what I mean? So I didn't, if I, if I was five years in, is that about when you got management and stuff? Probably five, six? No. Uh, Man, wait. I mean, I mean, with like, with like, uh, 
CAA and stuff. Yeah, but, five. Exactly. Five. Exactly yeah. five. Yeah. I, I, no, I, not with, not with uh, agents, but with management. Okay, yeah. So it's, I, was, I was working with Blair oh, right, uh, right. a little bit before that. So, around, right. I mean, around five, six. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. I, so, basically, I made every wrong decision you could make. Because, because also, was, at that five, six-year mark, I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. And it also wasn't like... I was working with like three arts or like yeah. I'm currently with Mosaic. It wasn't like I was working with them. I was working with my friend Blair who I asked her if she wanted to just manage me because I knew she wanted to do stuff in entertainment. She was a lawyer. Uh, she was doing stuff already in comedy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you can like rep me. I don't know what I'm doing. And she, yeah. I think it was exciting for her too. I'm not sure if on the back end it was that exciting. I think it cost her a lot of money and uh, probably a lot of headache. I'm sure I was a huge headache. But that was like my manager. Yeah. It wasn't like I was working... With someone right. huge, and then even I went with uh, after that. It wasn't right away. There was like a gap before I started doing stuff with Molly at Olivia Wingate Artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't like I went from nothing to right to Olivia. Like I had something in between, and then the, a gap yeah. in between those in between. Yeah. yeah, and it even and during all of that, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, all I've realized at this point is that when you start working with management or a manager, it's like a relationship. Like, you have to figure out what each other's role is and what you provide and what you get out of it. And it's it's a big communication lesson. I know a lot of people that are unhappy with managers and management, and sometimes it can be because it could be either person's fault in that, the artist or the manager. Um, I know a lot of people blame the yeah. manager, but there's also a lot of people that don't understand what a manager is supposed to do, and yeah. then you hold them accountable for things they're not supposed to yeah. do. Or there's managers who aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, you got so you got to learn how to stay so. on them and stuff. Because like that was my relationship was like, thank you so much, you know, for blah. It's like you're he's working for me, not right, the other yeah, way around. Yeah. I, I forgot that and it fucked up so much shit. I think also have to communicate like with yeah. relationship, you have to communicate yeah. your expectations. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with me in my relationship, like. If there's something that she wants that I don't know, which is more likely what mm-hmm. it is, then I told her she has to tell me. Because yeah. otherwise mm-hmm. I'm going to operate in my own world as if right. everything's on the door. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, and right. so you got to communicate uh, exactly what you'd like, ideally, but not. Right. Um, totally. We all agree on that. <laughs> glad we wrapped that up nicely. Oh, do you still do mics? Uh, or, or are the shows now like the mics? We were just talking about that uh, right before you got here because, and I, I don't I, I, like because you don't want to say yeah I treat every show like a mic but but the thing is like with with I mean you kind of ha- I think you kind of have to in some way should yeah. a little bit yeah. but we were just saying like it, from early on in DC there were only so many comedians so that meant there were only so many shows and all those shows weren't open mics they were. You had to sign up, not, not sign up, but you had to go and be like, can I ever do the show? Yep. And they're like, oh, it's a book show, so you can do it in three weeks. Yeah. There wasn't really any show up that night, put your name down, and go yeah. up. So I never really had that. And I'm not saying like, oh, that's cool, I never had to have that. Yeah. I, I kind of wish that was an option. But D.C. was only so big. And then when I moved to New York, I, people were like, don't do certain shows don't do if you got to pay to go on don't yeah. do it I, and I already knew like well I didn't want to do that anyways I had so much money moving up there and also like the open mics I never heard anything good so in New York for like a year I did not get up very often and I for my first year there and I was and that's because I'm pretty lazy about going out to try to get up so I would go out and hang out every now and then to meet people mm-hmm. and that kind of led to um 
you know, getting you know, messaging people say, Hey, can I do your show? And then trying to put some shows together and hopefully some people wanting to reach out to you. But the idea of like open mics, um, where you just sign up and go up, I, it, it's always been very, I don't think it's strange. I love it. And I kind of wish I had it more early on, but it, where we started, there was just nobody doing right. a show like that. Not to say I haven't done them. I, I have, and not to say I wouldn't do them if I was in, not that I would do it here because there's enough shows here. And I don't really like performing a lot when I'm at home anyways, but if I were in, and you know, Seattle, I know the underground has like the sign up, but if I were in Seattle, I would not be opposed to going and putting my name down and, and going up. Right. Like, especially if I'm there anyways, now being here at home where I can relax, I'm more than likely not going to try to go out of my way to go sign up and do a show if I already have like another show tomorrow. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I, I think those people, and, th- and this is, goes back to talking about Mulaney and Hannibal, but those people who, are, who go up every night and do like three, four shows a night, those people are, are awesome. I'm just not that person. I get very tired of myself. I get very tired mm-hmm. of my jokes. I wish I could be that person. I wish I had the discipline that a lot of comics have, but I don't have it. And I have to just come to terms with you that. Know, I'm not the person who says, I want to do three shows tonight. I don't want to do three do shows you, tonight. If I had my way, if I, and hopefully one day I can be to the point where I get to make this decision, but even going on the road, I'd rather do one show a night yeah. than two shows a night. I'd rather put everything into one show yeah. than yeah. say, oh, I got to, you know, don't, let's not use all our energy. Right. I got another show. I'd rather give that crowd that night. I'd be like, I want to give you this whole night to you as opposed to, well, there's a 1030 coming in. I get why that's the case, yeah. and I understand. I completely understand, and, and it's right. That's the right way to do a club. Yeah. But if I were at a point, I would rather play a black box theater in a city and do six nights, one show a night, than be there three nights and do six shows. You know but, I mean? Yeah, that's yeah, okay. good. When you're doing two in the first show, you're thinking about the second one. Yeah, too. or in the second one, you're like, wait, I can't remember if I did this, this on the first this, show. Yeah, clubs that have three shows a night, that is the worst because oh, that third show, you're like, I don't know what I've done. Right, you're 30 minutes in, you're they like, I don't remember. Have a to do yeah, the, the like, punch. Oh, a lot. Yeah, no, the, the punchline in Atlanta on Saturday, the six, eight, and ten. I mean, that's one of my yeah. favorite clubs. The, but you know, six, eight, and ten. yeah. But, but so anyway, you get to the ten o'clock show, and you may have done you know some of your your favorite stuff in the first two shows. And you're like, I don't want to fucking do it again. Yeah. And then you're not doing you're some of your favorite stuff on the late show because you're yeah, lost. But you're also spent. You're, I mean, you're fucking tired. Because it's <laughs> all right. Here, here's my thing with with doing that many sets because I've never liked it either. Like two, you know. I mean, if if I'm doing an hour, I don't want to do more than one in a night. But if it's like ten to fifteen minute sets. Two is okay, but I wouldn't even want to do two every night. Just one, because like you're middling, I, yeah, two shows is fine. Yeah, I, I mean, then you are really you know, doing an hour. You want to like? I don't want to do four ten minute spots in a night because then, yeah, like I, whatever you're doing, kind of gets drilled into you. Whereas if you do one or two, you can think about it after, and you're yeah. like, oh, fuck, I can't I, do this I, I better, don't I like do better. I, I still don't like to concrete the wording of a yeah, lot of my yeah. jokes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least early on. I mean, eventually I get jokes that do become word right. for word. But I try to right. extend that time frame between when I come up with a joke and between when it is concretely done. Right. I want that to be a long time. Five or six years. Because I get rid of jokes. <laughs> Mistakenly, I get rid of jokes too soon. 
because I get bored with them. And to me, it's immature of me to do that. It's, it's a bad move because I think I have a lot of stuff I could develop into a really good hour-long product, mm-hmm. but yet I get so bored with it that my philosophy is, well, if I'm not enjoying it, then why do it? So I try to toss stuff out faster, and I've just realized that I've been doing that for nine years. I think I, I'm probably just going to keep doing that because clearly that's what I'm into, and I, I think that's uh, just been... I think that's just been my personal choice. Like, oh, I, instinctually, if I'm bored with a joke, you can tell because I don't want to do it and I'm not enjoying it. I don't care if the audience likes it. If there's any jokes that I'm doing at a show, and even if some, I have a joke. Uh, but you, you, I have a I have a joke called Roadhead that I've been doing since probably my second year in, and it took about three years till it became a joke. I still do that joke, and I still do it because I legitimately enjoy, right? Yeah, on the CD, I yeah, did it on your first album. Album. But I still, I still do that joke because I still like doing that joke, and I keep changing it and mixing it up because I know it so. I could do it in my sleep, yeah, to the point where now it's. I, I still have fun doing it. But if there's a time when I'm like doing six shows in a weekend, I'm not going to do that joke every show. Maybe none of the six. But yeah. if I did it every every show, six shows in a row on a weekend. I bet you I don't do it the next weekend because now I'm like, oh, I got to put that in sleep for a little bit. I can't go right back to it. That's how I feel about my club set. Like, I feel like, like with stuff like, like when I record a set, like, and I'm in a club or like in a real audience, I'm like, I'll do it. And like, I'll watch it. And if I do good, I'm like, okay, I, 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 that's why I do it. And then sometimes I'm like, why am I still doing the same opening? Yeah, yeah. Why am I still doing this drinking material? I don't even drink that much anymore. Like, yeah. You know, but it works. Yeah, yeah, It works. So I'm sort of torn between like what works and I know, or should I like, like I'm like, what should you do? Should you open up with this bit that you're really excited about? Yeah. At a show though, which is why I go to Mike's, but you don't really get that same feedback by Mike. But you know? that's when you grow is when you take that risk and start opening regular shows with with new stuff I mean not necessarily not, not the only way but I'm saying that that is something that, that can help you take a big step yeah that's what I'm that's what I'm about. yeah who is coming like who do you think is on the rise to you like, oh, yeah. comedians um I'm, I don't know <laughs> I think there's a ton I see so many people on the road that I think I I think right now is a great time for stand-up comedy I think it's like everything there's a cycle 80s was a boom, 90s it was alright, maintained, it kind of it developed this kind of bad right. culture of like what works on stage. I think, right. I think stand-up Specifically, comedy... Specifically, you mean me, though. And, uh, yeah. Specifically. Uh, right, stuff. Specifically. I think, <laughs> I think stand-up comedy is, uh, I think it's a very fun, interesting evolution of how it even started, mm-hmm. why it boomed, you know, a huge yeah. boom because people realized how they could make money off of it. And then the 90s was just kind of that, oh, here's how we're making money off it. And people going, that seems artistically it's kind of declining. This doesn't mean, you know, it was awful. I mean, obviously, that, those were like the days of Seinfeld. Yeah. You did have great comedy, but you did also have people going yeah. to comedy clubs going, oh, it seems like you're just bringing in somebody because you want me to buy a ticket and then buy yeah. you know, it's just, food just, and drinks. It's, it's just like how we, we were talking about music earlier. 
there's always good, there's always bad. It's just yeah. a matter of what's more visible at yeah. the time. I think it's, I, I just think And that, more stuff is visible now with, with social yeah. media and stuff. Well, I think good, what's good more marketable is, is gonna, always going to be more visible. Like right. a, to, yeah, but, 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 but marketing, is, marketing is more vast now because of the internet and shit. But so I, so I think, you can have good and bad. Yeah, and I, I think what's interesting is that it's evolving because you have more history to draw from. The further you go into anything, you have more history to draw on of what it is. For instance, you know, going back and talking about Pink Floyd, like they were the band they were because of the history they had to draw on. Yeah. But if Pink Floyd started today, same people, like they were just born today, it'd be a different thing because of the influence, what's going on around them, who they were growing up. We are of this generation that is now. This is what we have now. These are the jokes we're doing now. This is the vibe now. This is what's, how far it's already changed because of the amount of history we can go back and draw from to learn from. Mm-hmm. You know, Richard Pryor can't, can't go back right. and look at as many comics as I can go back and look at to see what they did, to draw mm-hmm. from, to learn from, to see how they molded and evolved. Whereas 20 years from now, it'll be that different. That's why when I, you always hear people complaining who are good comics when they talk about stand-up comedy and what they like and what they don't like. I mean, you, you can't... You just really can't do that. It's, it's art. Either you like something or you don't like it, but to think that as a group, we should all be against something. I mean, there's always the argument about club comedy and alternative comedy, yeah. but I mean, does anyone yeah. even know what alternative comedy is anymore? It, or right. is it, or, alternative or, or, or would you say, yeah. or would you say there's people who are doing well and there's people who aren't doing well. There's people who aren't doing well trying to do a club act and there's people who aren't doing well being lazy thinking, well, I'm just weird. You have that. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you can't really call it alternative anymore and I know so many people yeah. that complain yeah. so much about what's going on yeah. and you know this is how you do it the beautiful thing about what we do is that it's art there yeah. is no how you do it yeah. there's no rules it can be anything you are going up to entertain that audience that mm-hmm. night there is no well the rules tonight are yeah. no that's what's beautiful <laughs> about this job so I hate it when people want to tell you how it should be done or what should be done no, there's. It, it, this is either entertaining or it's not entertaining. Yeah. It's as simple as that. It's not. It, that's why well, women aren't funny. When a woman goes up to perform, she either is funny or she isn't funny. Mm-hmm. Her, that person, yeah. not all of them. When this person goes up, right. they're either funny for, and you and the, every single audience member could go. You know, I like this guy because he's clearly doing a character. And then, and I'm talking specifically about me, there's people in that same audience who go, I don't like this guy because he's doing a character. All I but, can do is what I want to do. I can't go up going, oh, that guy doesn't like characters, so I better make sure I don't do a character. What about the guy who does like characters? So I have to do what I think is good because that's the only source I can draw from as opposed to, I'll cater to everybody in here tonight. But, but then as a comic, like you said, you know, the different styles and people dismiss them. You, this is one of the things that someone told me like really early on. is like you really can learn something from every single comic, whether it's something yeah. to do yeah. or not to do. Whether you think they're funny or not, whether you think they're a good performer or not, yeah. like you, you can watch, you can watch someone who you don't think is funny, but you're like, wow, he's really good at grabbing the crowd from the beginning. Yeah. And if I could figure out my own way of doing that, or if I could figure out my own way of sustaining yeah. the the energy the way he does, or or you know, like there's always there's always something like most guys who you call themselves who call themselves alt comics can learn so much from club comics about performing. So many club comics could learn so much from alt comics about being in the moment and, and writing, you yeah. know, smartly. To me, I just don't like how there's so much distinction. 
Right. I just don't like, like, I mean, I know that's what you guys are yeah. saying, but it's like, oh, yeah. there's club comics, or there's alt comics, or, or there's yeah. women comics, and man comics, yeah. or black comics, or what? it's like, funny is funny. Exactly, yeah. it's either entertaining yeah. or it's not. Yeah. And yeah. I, I feel and like there's less distinction in L.A. than New York. No. Right, yeah. You think there's less distinction? Oh, in New York, huge distinction between club and alt. Because I've seen club, like, female comics, like... Get brought up. She's a woman. She's funny. I'm like, oh, always. I mean, that, that's oh, people yeah, yeah, always yeah. have to. Yeah. I mean, Wait, women are also against that. But no when people are what. like, oh, yeah. you know, that's people doing that. It's like, you know, if that that person who brought you up, that person does that. Yeah. Like, it, 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 I hate it when people feel like this. Like you're just saying, there isn't groups. Like, whatever I'm doing in my career, I'm not on a team. I'm accountable for all my failures and all my successes. Yeah. I can't look to say... You know, if if you talk to a club to get me a booking, that's on me to now do well. I can't go, well, fuck, Quincy, you should have known I can't play that club. That's not your fault. That's my fucking fault for not being able to do it. So mm-hmm. when people are like, well, because people say that I'm alternative. But all my money comes from playing clubs across the country. I don't make any money playing alternative rooms across yeah. the country. Nobody does. Nobody does that. But also there is no such thing. And like. Alt comedy does not match an alternative room. If you're saying an alternative room, it's because you're saying, well, this isn't a comedy club. Yeah. It was also, also because a comedy club, I can't, I, I try to play clubs in town. I can't play them, I can't do every show there, so I just do a show. People think, this is all comedy because this show's not occurring in a comedy club. For the people that have that, they lack intellect in this business to mm-hmm. think that that even makes sense, to yeah. think that that equates. Yeah. It's not. Right. And I, I mean, I, I know a lot of, to me, I think Bill Burr is one of the best comedians in the country. And if you took Bill Burr and made him play a theater in Philadelphia, Philadelphia where everyone's yelling at him, he somehow crushes by yelling back at them. You take Bill Burr and you put him in a club in the middle of Wyoming, I bet you he fucking crushes. You put him at UCB LA, UCB New York, any non-comedy club show in the country, he crushes. That is the standard because he's fucking good. That's what everyone should... No one should be like, can't play this room. It's not a comedy club. These are all comedy nerds. No, you should be able to play it. Yeah. Oh, I can't play this. This is a comedy <coughs> club. Where they just, they just want to hear the difference between men and women. Well, don't talk about that and go be good. Yeah. Like, you should be able to do it. People don't know what they want to hear. People don't know what entertains them. Nobody knows how great the next Radiohead album is going to be. You haven't heard it yet. Yeah. Radiohead's going to tell you, yeah. this is what we like. This is what we think is good. Either you're going to agree... Or you're going to disagree. And that is all art. And you know what? This isn't what you meant, but some people could take it as as that, with the the difference between men and women. But that's another thing, like how people will pigeonhole the the club versus alt, where people be like, oh, he talks... You know, people are like, oh, he, you know, he said, he said women did this. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So it's hack. But it's like, there's no such thing, such thing as, as a hack setup. Right, It's yeah. just a hack punch. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's only if the joke is hack. Any, any, you can use any setup. Like, like, like talking about something that's a relationship, it isn't hack by definition. Like, that's, it's, that's, you know. The human experience, right. you know what I mean? But, but people, and well, I have so many jokes where I talk about being on a plane. Yeah, I know exactly. That people are like, "Oh, airplane jokes," and I'm like, "No, I get what you mean." Yeah, but, but the, the reality is, you, you have, have an no original topic, angle. Yeah, no topic is new is, is hacky. It's all just yeah. your own take on it, like, right? The only reason I use the men and women thing is because that's like the right. cliche. Well, that's exactly. all they want to hear in clubs. Well, if that's all they want to hear in clubs, I wouldn't have any income because I don't do right. a joke that's like that. Now, do I do jokes about being engaged where you could then put that under the headline of men and women? This is how they view weddings. 
Totally. You could totally do that. For right. sure. You could do that with all my jokes. I have so much stuff right. on pop. People are like, oh, yeah. quit doing pot jokes. Well, people seem to enjoy yeah. them enough to give me money to buy groceries. So right. I And I like doing them. Right. And I smoke a lot of pot. So that's what I'm going to talk about. The person who says, well, this is what shouldn't be talked about or said anymore, I guarantee you that person probably doesn't make most of their money doing comedy. Yeah. The person who says that, I yeah. bet you is oh, exactly. not a full-time like, stand-up comedian. Rory's new closer, it's a relationship thing, but it's original. It's about how you know the, he and Jordan have this this disagreement about him leaving the toilet seat up. He's like, well, put it down. <laughs> put it down then. You know? <laughs> it's my new but it's original. It's original. So. <laughs> because we have a weird toilet. Yeah, we have a weird toilet. You have to put in a code to put the seat up and down. All right. <laughs> That's all me, Quincy. That's all you. That's it. That's all I got. How, do, how long did we go? We went exactly one fifteen. Perfect. On the nose. It feels good, doesn't it? It feels good. Therapeutic almost. Yeah. I still have to go to a day job.